about to say Matthew 5. We've been in Matthew 5 now, it seems like, since I got here. And as much as I hated to move on from Matthew chapter 5, the Lord told us we were done there. And tonight we're going to begin looking at a simple thought. It's going to be a standalone message, not part of a series, but a standalone message tonight of James chapter 1. And next week I'm very excited to preach on a, a, a subject I've not really preached on before. Uh, next week, we're going to kind of begin a, a study or a series on a choice servant. And we're going to begin looking through the Word of God at why God chose certain men and women to be used of Him. And so I want to encourage you to be here for that as we glean from the Word of God to find out why certain people were used of God in ways uh, that we could be used of God if we were to be and make the choices they did to be a choice servant of God. James chapter 1, look down if you will. And we're going to pick up in verse number 5, a familiar verse to most of us here. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways." Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Now let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Bless tonight in the next few minutes that we have left together that your word would uh, be what it's supposed to be in our heart and life. We'll receive it as so. Bless the invitation we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to jump right into this tonight if we could for the sake of time. And I know school is back and I know we have work tomorrow. So we're going to try to preach what the Lord says preach and get on, uh, get on home tonight before it gets too terribly late. But uh, I was thinking yesterday afternoon, it's kind of getting ready to preach this message of a word that I have used a lot in the last three months. Uh, ever since I have been here and getting to know a new system, getting to know a new group of people and a new church, obviously a larger church than I was at, uh, there's a word that I've used, uh, interestingly enough, it's a word that I've really used to describe my highs and my lows all the same. Uh, it's a word that I have used to describe the opportunity that is here, and it's a word that I have used to describe the obstacles that are here. It's a word that I have used to describe the problems that I have faced it's a word that I've also used to describe the peace that I have found since I've been here. And so you say, what is that word? The word is overwhelming. Overwhelming. There have been times as I have been here, when you look at the great opportunity of what God's called us to do here, I look at the opportunity, and the greatness of the opportunity is overwhelming. And there are times that I look at the obstacles that I know will come between us and fulfilling the will of God, and there are times the obstacles are overwhelming. Uh, there are times when I imagine what the problems are going to be like uh, over the next 10, 20, 30, and 75 years that I'm here. And uh, I think, you know, those problems, amen, I believe in faith, amen. I'm just asking for it. Lord, give us 75 years, and if not, I'll enjoy all the time that he allows us to live and, and serve here. But understand this. Understand the word overwhelming tonight is a word that we probably use on a weekly basis. Uh, maybe your kids just finally get to that place in your home to where they're getting on your last nerves and you tell them this is getting overwhelming. Or maybe the kids come home from school and they lost their new shoes or they lost their new book bag or they lost this and next thing you know having to buy all of that school supplies just kind of gets overwhelming. But honestly, tonight, I want you to understand that oftentimes God allows things in our life to get overwhelming, to get us to the place that he wants us to get to. 
I did a little study. I love word studies. I really do. I'm not a big English major, but I love word studies and finding out what words mean. And so I began doing a word study on the word overwhelming and try to do the, look at the etymology of the word and see where that word came from. And it's really interesting. I looked at an 1897 dictionary, an old English dictionary, and uh, over pretty much means over. We know what that word means, over. They spelled it with a B back then. But the word whelm, H-W-A-L-M, whelm has an interesting meaning. The word whelm or overwhelm is you had a cart, and that cart, you know, had the big wheels on it, and you're out there shoveling the hay, and you would stack the hay up really high. And the hay would be stacked up so high on the, on the cart that it would be kind of just overflowing on the top. And that's the word they would use to describe overwhelm or overwhelm. They had an H in front of it. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that my hay wagon gets stacked pretty high. There are times in my life, my my problems, my hay wagon gets stacked up pretty high. And there are even times in my life that great opportunities that God gives us, the opportunities get stacked so high and they are overwhelming. And you say, well, what do we do when we get to that place? What do we do when we face something in our life that is overwhelming? You may be facing an overwhelming health problem tonight. There's many folks on our prayer list tonight that I hope you're praying for that are facing overwhelming uh, health problems. The hay is kind of stacked pretty high. It's overwhelmed. It's too high for them, and it's going to turn over on them. I think about my, my dad, who may be watching live stream tonight from Florida. If he is, hey, Dad. Hope everything's well down there. But uh, my dad came in the office yesterday on the way out to go and see his brother in South Florida. You get the phone call that your sibling is on life support from a, a massive heart attack. That is something that will overwhelm your heart. I looked at my dad's eyes, his, his tears began streaming down his face, and you could tell the, the, the pain and the, the worry and the concern was overwhelming. His, the hay on his wagon was stacked kind of tall yesterday. So what do we do when we're overwhelmed? Well, I'm going to give you a verse, and I'll read it for you. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 61.2, listen close, what the Bible says. In Psalm 61.2, David says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. David says, from the end of the earth, I will cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Aren't you glad that God looked ahead and looked in the future and knew his children would face times when their heart was overwhelmed? God, a loving father, looked down and he knew his children would face times when the hay would be stacked too high on their wagon. Whether it was pain or grief or problems or even opportunities, he knew that the hill was kind of high for them, and he gave us Psalm 61 too. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. So here's what David says. David says, when I get to the place in my life where my heart is overwhelmed, I cry out to God. He goes to God. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think God a lot of times allows us to get our wagon overloaded so that we will cry out to him. Sometimes we get to pulling our own wagon and we can handle that small load of straw and that small load of, load of hay. God allows our wagon to get loaded sometimes where we'll get to the place where we do cry out to him. And we go to God in prayer and we spend time at the altar. I think, I think it's a crying shame, I really do, that the only time we do come to the altar is when we're overwhelmed. It's sad that God has to get us to that place. I remember the Sunday after September 11, 2001, the churches all over this land were full. Why? We were overwhelmed, and we were crying out to God. David says, when my heart is overwhelmed, I cry out to thee. But here's what I want to get to quickly tonight in the context of the scripture we just read. 
I think oftentimes we don't necessarily know how to cry out to God. We don't know how to properly pray and get a hold of God. And listen, regardless of how you get to the place, it's worth it when you get to the place where you've got to hear from God. And you need what God has for you. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You get to a place where your wagon's overloaded and you need to hear from God and we go to God. But I believe James chapter 1 verse 5 down through the next few verses gives us a pattern of prayer. And that's what we're going to preach on tonight, a very simple pattern of prayer. I know the hour is getting late, and so we're going to kind of hurry through this if we can. But there's a beautiful pattern here that God is showing us on how we learn how to call out to God and how to cry out to God. So look at verse 5. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, is that not what prayer is when we go and we're asking of God? We're praying to God and asking and petitioning God for a need that's in our life. But wait a minute. Before we get to the place that we can ask, we've got to get to the place where we're ready to ask. Now let that sink in just a little bit. Notice the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. So before we ask for wisdom, we got to the place where we were lacking. Number one, notice tonight, when you're ready to ask is when you realize that you're lacking. Now, I don't know about you tonight. I have a pride problem. If my dad was sitting there tonight where he usually sits, he would say amen uh, because he raised me. And he saw that pride problem come out many times in my life. I I battle pride just like the next person. I think that's why the Lord's let my hair fall out. And you know, it's just humility is a a rough road to hoe. But evidently, I need humility because the Lord allows it to come my way. But notice before we get to the place that we ask God or the petitions that we need, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. It's not just coming to God and asking for it. It's reaching the place where you realize you're lacking. And that's not a place I like to get to. I hate it when my wife comes to me and says, can you fix this? And I have to tell her no. Oh. I mean, listen, some of you men might take away my man card tonight for saying this, but... There are times that when I'm baffled at how to fix something I don't know how to fix, I'll even go to Pinterest if I have to. Why? I'll turn in my man card when I leave here tonight. I just go there when I have to, okay? Just when I have to. I hate saying I can't do something. I hate saying I don't know something. I hate saying I am lacking. You know what that's called? That's called pride. And if you can't get to the place where you're lacking, you can't get to the place where you're ready to ask for the wisdom that you need for what is overwhelming you. He says, if any man lack wisdom, we've got to get to the place where we realize we're lacking. We've got to get to the place, that humbling place where we realize I can't to the hardest words for any human being to say. I can't. Unless it's like, hey, will you help me move? Will you help me fix my car? You know, something like that. Oh, I can't. We don't like saying I can't. Why? Because it's a very humbling place. Now understand this tonight. Humility is not something that comes natural to man. It does not come natural. I told my wife just just the other day, I hate feeling small. I don't like feeling small. I want to be the big man on campus. I want to be the guy, look, I want to walk around with my chest poked out, and I want to walk around with a title above my door. I don't like it when God humbles me and I feel small. That's exactly where I need to be. Why? Listen, humility is the gateway to the things of God. 
If you want the things that God freely offers to us, and his word is full of them, understand that humility is the only route you can go to get there. You've got to get to the place where you lack. Let me give you some scriptures tonight. Jot these down if you, if you care. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, listen close, with the lowly is wisdom. With the lowly is wisdom. So notice what's on the end of the verse. There's wisdom. I don't know about you, but I need wisdom all the time. Look, I go knock on somebody's door, and I'm trying to share Christ with them. And look, we're talking about their soul. Kind of an important topic. We need to get that right. We just can't regurgitate knowledge. We've got to operate based on the wisdom of God. Now, I need wisdom to do that, but the Bible says, with the lowly is wisdom. Isn't that kind of neat how God put the lowly in front of the wisdom? That lowly part is going to stump your toe every time. We're going to take off running, and we want the wisdom of God, and all of a sudden, before you can get to wisdom, you've got to get to the lowly part. You see, you've got to get ready to ask. Yes, you're facing a wagon that's overloaded. You're overwhelmed. God says, I've got the answer in my wisdom, but you've got to lack first. Listen to this, Proverbs 18, 12. The Bible says, before honor is humility. Isn't that neat? It's, I'm telling you, it's like the same person wrote this book. Before honor, <laughs> some of you just got that. Some of you will get it on the way home tonight. You're like, boom, light bulb moment. Before honor is humility. Now, isn't it amazing? Before honor is humility. Look at the order he just put there. Before honor, oh, we, do we not want honor? We want to be honored. We want to be exalted. We want to be uplifted. The Bible says before honor is humility. There's that pesky humility again. It's going to stump your toe in the pursuit of honor. The Bible says in James chapter 4, not very far over, verse number 10. In James 4.10, the Bible says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I mean, Humility is like that fruit fly in your kitchen. Anybody bear witness? Amen. Man, we got vegetables in our house and fruit in our house. Brother John Lapone gave us the most delicious cantaloupe the other day. And I just sat there. My wife's got this neat little kitchen gadget somebody gave her. It's called a fruit baller. That's the funnest thing to play with, you know? No batteries, no screen or nothing, just a fruit baller. Now, some of you may have discovered that years ago. It's new to me. That was, that was just amazing watching how that thing worked. And you're sitting there eating fruit and vegetables, and sooner or later, it's the summer in the south, you're going to get a fruit gnat in your house. You ever seen those? There's everywhere, you know, coming in and all that. That's what humility's like. It's just going to fly around and bug the fire out of you until you squash it. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says in verse number 10, that... But, in verse number 10, humble yourselves in the sight of God and he shall lift you up. We all want to be lifted up. How many times have we been brought low? And man, we're, we're laid low and we want God to lift us up. We want God to pick us up. God, come on, help me out of this. He says in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Isn't it amazing? Humility. Humility is the doorway and the gateway that leads to the things of God. Wisdom, honor to be lifted up. I was thinking about a cartoon I watched with my daughter many times, uh, the, the old cartoon Alice in Wonderland. Remember that one? Alice in Wonderland. Hadn't seen it in a while. Go back and see it. Weird, weird movie, but uh, it'll pass the time. And uh, I don't know about the guy that wrote that, to be honest with you, but uh, it was a fun movie when we were kids. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, you remember she's in this room and she can't get out. You remember that? Come on, folks. It's all right. You can shake your head. Yeah, look. This is not a trick, you know? 
with these preacher tricks, you know? This is not a trick, okay? I, I raised my hand. I've seen the movie. And Alice is too big to get out of the door, and she looks at her on the table, and this little bottle has a tag on it. It says, drink me. Now, kids, look, don't do that. All right, let's go drinking random bottles that say drink me, okay? It's just a cartoon. It's fairy tale. I had to put that disclaimer. It's 2019, okay? Nobody do that and, and sue our church. But in order for her to get out the door, she had to drink what was in the bottle to make her small enough to fit through the door. Remember that? All right, can I tell you, for the Christian, what's in that bottle is humility. Oftentimes, we want to get through the door to what God's prepared, whether it's wisdom, honor, or to be uplifted by God. We want that, and we want to get through that door on the other side because we're facing something that is overwhelming us. But God says, you're too big. God says, I want you to drink this little potion called humility, and it makes you small enough to fit through the door to get the wisdom you need for what is overwhelming you. Can I tell you what we'll do? Let me tell you what I'll do. I don't know about you. You're probably a better Christian than I am. Let me tell you what I'll do. I'll stay trapped in that room until finally I get tired of being in there. And I'll humble myself small enough to get out the door. So notice, number one, when you're ready to ask, it's when God has brought us low and God has humbled us. But listen close, we resist being humbled. When we resist being humbled, here's what's happening. You're resisting the wisdom for what is overwhelming you. Because God says, I want to make you small so that you can fit through the door to get what I've got for you, but you will not be humbled. And as long as we won't allow God to humble us, we're missing out. So what is the opposite of humility? It's pride. So you're going to live this life either in humility or you're going to live this life through pride. I know we like these fake gray areas that really don't exist. It's one or the other. You're hot or you're cold. You're going to either be humble or you're going to be prideful, okay? That's the truth. Listen close to what the Bible says about pride. You say, well, I'm not going to go the humble route to get what God's prepared to help me with the wisdom to get over what's overwhelmingly, overwhelming uh, me. I'm going to go with pride. Listen close. Proverbs, the Bible says, chapter 16, verse 18, pride, pride goeth before destruction. Now understand, there's two routes here to take. You can take the humble route where God is humbling you so you can pray, or you can take the pride route, and the Bible says that goeth before destruction. Proverbs 11.2, the Bible says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. On the other side of humility is honor. On the other side of humility is wisdom. On the other side of humility, there's being uplifted. But on the other side of pride, there's shame and destruction. You got to pick which route you're going to go. There's only, one, there's only two, and you got to pick one. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, before destruction of the heart of man is haughty. That means prideful. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is we don't want to be humbled. Look, I don't like it either. Did we not sit at the kitchen table the other night, 11 o'clock, sitting looking at my wife saying, I don't like feeling small. I don't. My flesh don't. But man, I like wisdom. And I like being uplifted. I went to God and I says, God, I says, I don't like feeling like a little man. I don't feel like feeling like a nobody. I don't, I don't like feeling like a, the little guy on campus walking around. And God says, that's exactly what you need. Because in order for me to be big, you got to be small. You see, you and God can't be big together. That's why David killed Goliath and not his bigger brothers. David was small enough to be used by a bigger God. And our problems tonight is we don't want to get to the place where we lack. If any of you lack, that means if any of you get to the place where you realize I am not and I can't. I believe this is why James 4, the Bible says, ye have not because ye ask not. Can I add something to you that right quick? I'm not adding a scripture, all right? Let me add something to that. 
We have not because we ask not because we won't get to the place where we are not. We're not asking God. We don't have it because we're not asking. We're not asking because we've yet to get to the place where we admit that we lack. If any of you lack wisdom, the Bible says let him ask. Real quickly, I believe the answer to a broken country is a broken church. I believe that's the answer to our broken country. Why does 2 Chronicles 7, 14, before the prescription, the Bible says of praying, seeking his face, and turning from our wicked ways, why is the very first thing on the prescription, humble yourselves? I believe the answer for a broken country has got to be a broken church. And until we have a heart that is broken for this country and broken for the lost, I don't see this thing getting any better. I believe the answer tonight for our broken homes is a broken husband and wife. We're too prideful. That's why our homes are not being healed because we're so full of pride. As my dad used to say, P-R-I-D-E. I believe the answer tonight for our broken children is a broken mom and dad. Let God humble us tonight. Number one, when you're ready to ask is when you get humble. We have to hurry real quickly. Look down, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, <coughs> the Bible says, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. So what is he asking for? Humility will get us ready to ask, but what are we asking for? Here's what's interesting. You say, well, Brother Andrews, I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but we're asking for wisdom. But here's what I want you to notice tonight. You will learn a lot about yourself and I learn a lot about myself in what I pray for. You will learn a lot about yourself. Why? Can I tell you what you pray for? You pray for the things you think you need. We pray for the things that we think we need. And if you'll listen to yourself pray sometimes, I hope you don't run through the same prayer over and over and over again. I hope, listen, you pray genuinely at a heart of a need for the things of God. But if you'll listen to yourself pray, I fear oftentimes we pray more for what we want than what we need. Think about Solomon. Solomon could have had anything he wanted from God. Scripture tells us that. God says, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon asked God for wisdom. Why? It's what he needed. It's what he needed. He says, look, I need wisdom to lead your people. That's my wife. Every night before we go to bed, I ask God, give me wisdom to lead your people. These are your people. You know their hearts. You know their needs. And I need wisdom on how to lead them because I can't. And there's those two words that are so hard to spit out. Man, I was a preacher's kid. I grew up in a preacher's home. My dad was a pastor. I've been around this all my life. I've been preaching 24 years of my life. God says, go ahead and get real big. Go ahead and get real big. And just watch how good you do on your own. Who are we, what are we asking for? Well, we're asking for what we need. One of my favorite prayers, if you will, in Scripture is Moses, Exodus chapter, 13, uh, chapter 33. He tells God this, if thy presence go not with us, carry me not up. He says, God, if you don't go with us, he says, then I don't want to go. He says, God, look, if you're not going to go with us and lead us up to the place you're calling us to, I don't want to go. Can I tell you, that's the prayer of somebody who knew what they needed. They needed God to go with them. Look, I don't care where you're going and what your plans are. If God's not going with you, it's going to be a lonely trip full of potholes and blowouts and all kind of stuff. But my goodness, what a blessing it is to know that you're on a journey that the Lord's walking right there along with you. Because you realize what you needed. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. Jeremiah 33, 3, we know it well. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things. Thou, those next few words are the most important. 
knoweth not. Oh, how many times have I gone to God and said, God, I need an answer to this, but oftentimes my pride wouldn't let me utter the words, I don't know what to do. What a wonderful place it is when you come before an almighty God and you bow your knee and tell him, I don't know. I can't. I can't see the way clear. Because at that moment, your request is getting on the same line that God, what God knows you need. And praying in the will of God is when you pray for what God knows you need. That's what praying in the will of God is. You know, God knows, listen, God knows what I need, what I don't need. And praying in the will of God is when I'm asking God for what he already knows that I need. Now, me and God are in tune, and that's when the prayers get answered. I've been doing a lot of reading on George Mueller lately, and if you ever want to read about a prayer warrior, read about George Mueller. God used the man mightily to start orphanages all over Europe and used him just in a great way. And he kept a log of 50,000 prayers that God answered specifically. 50,000 prayers. There was one particular account. I cut out the quote so I could read it to you tonight. He was on a a, a, uh, vessel. He sailed over 200,000 miles. This is before airplanes. Over 200,000 miles he sailed in his ministry, uh, circumnavigated the globe so many times. And he was on one voyage headed to Canada. There was a great fog bank moved in and was slowing the ship down. And he went to the captain and he says, Captain, we got to hurry up. I can't be late for my meeting. Number one, I just loved his moxie. (laughs) That he would go to the captain and ask, could he speed up the boat so he could get where he was going? The captain says, look, the fog's too thick. We're just going to have to take it slow in order to make it to Quebec in time. Here's what he said. He said to the captain, he says, would you mind if I borrowed your stateroom to go pray and ask the Lord to move the fog? The captain kind of stared at him momentarily. Sure. Sure. The captain accompanied him down to the prayer room, and George Mueller knelt down. He prayed a very simple prayer, asking God to remove the fog. He just kind of believed that the God of creation could do that. After George Mueller said amen, the captain says, Oh, Heavenly Father, George Mueller put his arm on his shoulder and said, Stop right there. I said enough. (laughs) I think he thought his prayer might pull his back down, so he just stopped him right there. (laughs) Here is what he says. Captain, I have known my Lord for more than 50 years, and there's not one instance that I have failed to have an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, for you will find the fog has gone. They went top side of the ship, and the fog was gone. What was that? That was a man who knew what he needed, and knew a God that could handle it, prayed within the will of God, and God took care of the fog. Look, I don't know what your wagon may be carrying tonight. I don't know how overwhelming your wagon may be, but understand the God of creation can handle it. If we would get to the place where we could pray, that humbling place, and then ask God for the things that we need, God knows what we need. Job said this. Job says, give me the portion. Give me not riches, but give me the portion that's convenient for me. Job says, I don't want riches. I don't want fame. He says, give me the portion, the food that's convenient. That word convenient means what I need. Job says, just give me what I need. I love when Paul prayed and asked God to remove the thorn. He says, God, I want you to remove this thorn. This thorn hurts. This thorn bothers me. It's hindering in my service. But notice, God did not give him what he wanted. God gave him what he needed. He says, look, you don't need the thorn removed. You just need grace. And you'll find that my grace is sufficient. Can I tell you what God's grace is sufficient for? Wagons to get overloaded. 
It's sad that so often we look to others before we look to God when he's the one who can handle those overloaded wagons. Real quickly, instead of praying for what we want when we say, God, give me more money, why don't we ask God for wisdom to use the money that he gave us wisely? And why don't we ask God to help us trust him with what he's provided for us? Instead of praying and asking God to remove the problem, nothing wrong with that, why don't we ask to be like Christ and say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I read a story today, just alone, it was a, a Soviet prison camp, and it was a young man by the name of Ivan, and every day he bowed his knees before the gates and prayed to his God, the God of heaven. One of the soldiers walked up to him and says, I want you to understand that your prayers will not open that gate. He says, I'm not praying for the gate to be open. I'm praying for God's will to be done. Oh, that we would pray that. Sometimes I believe God allows us to get an overloaded wagon so we can get to the place where we ask God and realize what our needs really are. Real quickly, number three, look down. The Bible says, verse five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Here's what's interesting. This may seem dumb to you, but let this sink in for a moment. Number three, notice who to ask. Notice who to ask. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That means you're going to God. Now, here's what's interesting. When you go to God and you're asking God for wisdom, you're saying two things. Number one, what you're saying is, I am unable to meet my own need. You're telling God, I can't. You're telling God, I'm lacking. But then number two, you're acknowledging that he is able. That's by going to God. It's sad that we Google before we go to God. It's sad that we go to Dr. Phil and we go to Oprah and all these other people. How am I supposed to raise godly kids? How should they know? I mean, just be honest, folks. I mean, good night. That's what the Bible tells us. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Why? He made you. He knows you. Why do we go to everybody else before going to God and say, God, this kid's about to make me pull my hair out. You made them. Tell me how to work them. You know, when, when, uh, when my Chevrolet starts messing up, and it ain't messed up yet, but sooner or later, just because... I'm driving it. It's going to mess up. I'm not calling the Hyundai dealership. They didn't make it. They don't know it. Matter of fact, they hope it tears up. So I want to come buy one of theirs. No, I call the Chevy dealership. Why? He's the one. They're the one who made it. Now, folks, so many things in our life we go to others and ask about when we should go to God. Do you know there's a reason it's called the joy of the Lord? Did you catch those last three words? Of the Lord. It's amazing we seek the joy of the Lord out in the world. You're not going to find it there. Do you know there's a reason it's called the peace of God? Because it's the peace that you get from God. Let me give you another one. There's a reason it's called the power of God. Because it's of God. It comes from God. Folks, we're seeking the answers to our overwhelmed and overloaded wagons from people who can't give it to us. And finally, God lets us our wagon get overloaded for us to finally realize that we need to come and go to him. Real quick, Philippians chapter 4, we know the verse. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. If you read verse 11 and 12 before that, it'll give you the context of it. We get to the place to realize it's only Christ that's going to meet the need that we have. And what a wonderful place it is when only God will do. The woman who had the issue of blood 12 years, the Bible tells us in the New Testament. The Bible says she had spent all... There's nothing bettered. 
Does that not describe so many Christians today? We've just about spent all we got. We're nothing bettered. And finally, do you know what she did after 12 years? She said, I'm going to find Jesus. Now, I'm not knocking the woman tonight, but I got to tell you something. What a wonderful place to be where only God will do. There was a, a morning the other morning. Got up. Something was on my heart, kind of heavy. Sun hadn't come up yet. And I remember as soon as that alarm clock went off, isn't it amazing how burdens wait for you at the edge of your bed? You think when you go to sleep, they're going to sneak off and go to somebody else's house? I prayed for that. It hadn't happened yet. But I wake up, and there's my little burden. Okay, it's not my daughter sleeping by my bed. All right. Man, I said, I wasn't going to pick on you anymore from the pulpit. I got to do better about that. Ask the Lord to forgive me. But uh, you wake up, and that burden's still there. And all of a sudden, the song come to mind, I must tell Jesus. I beat it to the living room as quick as I could, knelt down beside my couch, and I went and talked to God. Why? Because he has the wisdom for the overwhelming wagons. Now, folks, I don't know about you tonight, but I need to make sure that when I'm seeking out the need for the problems I have, that I'm going straight to God. Now, real quick, I didn't give the, the, the uh, tech guys back there number four. I slipped the number four in there earlier this afternoon, so it's not going to be on the screen, so bear with me. Can I tell you tonight, real quick, why you need to ask? We looked at who to ask and what to ask for. Can I tell you why you need to ask? Because verse 5, the Bible says, If any man you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. God's got what we're looking for. The reason you ought to ask him is he's got the answer to it. I mean, some of us tonight are scratching our heads about things that are overwhelming. And God's got the answer. And the Bible says that he has wisdom and he giveth to all men liberally. It's one of the few times you'll see God's name and liberal mentioned together. <laughs> I love how the, the laugh kind of just grew as slowly as folks begin to get that. Why do we ask? Because he gives a guarantee. He gives us a guarantee, 1 John 5. The Bible says, verse number 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Notice the word confidence. Why do we have confidence? Because he's got the answer. I mean, that's why I have a ball spot on the side of my head because I just sit there and scratch it all the time trying to figure out some people. What is their problem? How do I help them? And also now I realize he's got the answer. If I would do less time trying to figure it out, and spend more time talking to the one who's got it figured out, I might have more hair on the side of my head and the back of my head combined. But i got to be willing to go to the one who promises it to give it to us. Philippians 4, we know the verse, my God shall supply all of your needs. But you notice that word needs? you got to need it first. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, but you got to need it, and that's our problem. We don't want to be needy. We don't want to lack. We don't want to get to the place to where we're, we're, we're destitute and we're low and we can't answer the question. So why do we ask? Because he's got the answer. And then last, I'm giving you a five-pointer tonight, and it's only 8.01. Okay? So let's just appreciate that moment together. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But watch verse 6, and we're going to be done. But let him ask in faith. The last thing tonight is how do we ask? How do we ask? The Bible says we ask in faith. The old Moody said this, too often we knock at mercy's door, but don't wait for the entrance or the answer. 
We go to God and we pray one time on a Sunday morning back in 1987 that our loved one would be saved, and then we walked off and we never touched it again. But let him ask in faith. How do we ask? We ask in faith. There's a lot of could-have-beens tonight in the life of God's people that are could-have-beens instead of reality because they didn't ask in faith. They didn't believe what they were praying for. What does the Bible say in Matthew 13? The Bible says he did not, Jesus, did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. Missed it. Missed it. I mean, here's Jesus. He's in your town. He has the power. It's not limited. He's not going to run out. And he wanted to do great things. The Bible says he did not. Why? Because he was tired of it? No. Because they didn't like him? No. Because of their unbelief. They missed out on all that God could have done and Christ could have done in their town because they simply chose not to have faith. They didn't believe. Matthew 21 tells us that we pray, pray believing you shall receive. Old George Mueller cleared out a fog bank. Why? Because he believed it. He said, I've got to get to Quebec I'm not sure if it's Quebec or Quebec, okay? So you can correct me after the service on that. He had to get to that city to preach. And he says, God, I just need you to move the fog out of the way where I can go preach Christ to the Canadians who desperately need to hear it. And God moved the cloud bank. He prayed according to the will of God, and he had faith. I fear tonight, I'm closing my Bible, but don't lose me. I fear tonight we have more faith than a UPS man delivering our Amazon packages and we do answered prayer from God. Man, we got that two-day shipping from Amazon, and we're counting down the hours. We know he runs at 4.13 every afternoon in our driveway. And we're standing out there with baked cookies for the UPS, man, because we know he's going to show up. Because we got that Amazon Prime two-day shipping. We pay dearly for it, and we're going to make sure it's there. How often do we pray and ask God for something, and we walk out of here and don't even give him time to answer the door through faith? When we go and we knock on the door of heaven, as my dad yesterday with his dear brother, life support, unresponsive, looked pretty rough. Man, we begin praying, no doctor saying, you know, it doesn't look good, and this, that, and the other. But man, this morning, my dad sends me a text, one word, he says, miracle. Can I tell you what's sad? There's probably a part of my heart that was a little surprised be honest with you, because I don't pray often and believe as I should. And I want you to know, God's never given me a reason to doubt him. Never. If, look, if we want the wisdom of God, David says, when my heart is overwhelmed, I'm going to cry out to him. I'm going to cry out to him. He's got what I need. He's got the wisdom that will help me deal with an overloaded wagon. But I got to go to him humbly. I've got to go to God tell him what I'm needing, and then ask him for it and believe he's going to give me what I need according to his will. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I'd love to get to the place where I follow this pattern of prayer. I say, God, I, you know, God, I don't know. I've never led 500 people before as a pastor. He said, well, you didn't tell us that. Too late. It's already over now. We're already here. <laughs> you got one of the inmates driving the bus, <laughs> you know? Say, God, this is kind of overwhelming at times. My wagon seems to be getting loaded. Oof. 
God, the needs at times are getting over low. Wow, it's kind of a heavy, heavy load. God says, just call out to me. I'll give you the wisdom for what's overwhelming you. But you got to get low. Before honors, humility, get low, get low. The Bible says, they that humble themselves under the mighty hand of God will be exalted in due season. You'll find what you're looking for when you get small enough to go through that door. Because what you're looking for to help you with that wagon that's overloaded, it's on the other side of that door that humility will get you through. Our heads are bowed tonight.